We are in a teaching series right now called Better Together. And with this series, Chris has been going through and he's been looking at how from the very beginning of time when we were first created, God said man does not need to be alone that he needs a helper, that he needs someone to be with him, that he needs someone that he can be better together with. And then we've been looking to see what that means for us now, what that means in, in 2021 uh, in, in the world that we live in. So the first week, Chris took the book of Acts and he looked at the first century church and he looked at the first church and the way that they did things, how they would go about sharing their lives together, sharing their, their items together, sharing all of the things that they have, going so far as to even sell things to make sure that no one in the church was in need. Uh, and then the next week, Chris spoke about the power that comes from worshiping together. From, some, from just getting together and singing songs to God and about God, from spending time in prayer together and from doing service together and so many more ways that we are better together. Last week, Chris looked at when all those things culminate, that it actually makes us healthier, that being together gives us a way to ease our mental and physical fatigue and mind. And, and as we've been going through these, if you haven't had a chance to listen to them, uh, they're up on our podcast, so you can check those out wherever you get your podcast or on YouTube. We keep a record of them there. I think for even a little while, you can go and watch them on Facebook again. And, and so lots of different places you can go in, and I highly recommend you doing it because Chris has done a great job. Um, as we've been going through this series, there has been a word that has cropped up for me over and over again, a word that I feel like means being better together. And it's a simple word. It is the word community. Community. Um, what, what is community? Community is, is just about being together with people that have something in common with you. Community is doing something with people that sh have a shared interest, a, a shared thought, a shared idea. Um, you know what? Can, can I nerd out for just a minute? Is that, would that be okay? Uh, some of you are looking at me, I assume you've had a conversation with me and you're thinking, Patrick, I, I don't think you can nerd out for just a minute. Uh, and you know what, that's fair. That, that's absolutely fair. I get excited. I'm a very excitable person. And when someone comes up to me and wants to talk to me about something that is a shared interest, I'm in, oh, I will just run off at the mouth for as long as you let me. Because I love the idea that someone likes the same TV show I like, or they like the same book series I like, or they like the same movies I like, and they want to talk about it. Whew, man, I get so excited. And it, it is amazing when we do that um, because it's a shared experience. It's a thing that we are building community right then, right there, it's why going on the opening night for a Marvel movie to the theater is so much different than streaming it on Disney+. Plus Because it's a shared experience. It's community. It's why going to a baseball game is actually palatable when watching baseball on TV is like watching paint dry. It's the experience. I know Jim's back there shaking his head. He's like, no, it's amazing. No, it's, it, no, it's the experience though. Going to a baseball game is so much better than watching one on TV. Even if you're an avid baseball fan, you can admit that because you're, you're in the crowd and you're doing the wave and it's all, all those things are there and it's exciting. It's why playing a multiplayer video game 
is better than playing a single-player video game across the board. Like, it's just always true. Uh, in fact, I've got a group of guys that we get together every Sunday night, and uh, we spend some time, we, we get up on our computers, and we spend some time playing a, a role-playing game. And, and when I say role-playing game, yeah, I'm talking about that D&D-style Dungeons & Dragons rolling dice and saying, all right, now my guy's going to do this. Is that okay? And I'm going to roll a dice to see if it works. We do that every week, uh, about three hours every Sunday night, and it's amazing and what I love about it is, is not that we're playing a game, but that we're, we're developing a story. That the choices that they're making, the, the things that they're doing, the dice that they're rolling, actually make a difference and change what's happening around us. I love it because we spend those three hours pouring into each other's lives. We spend those three hours building community. This is what community is. Community is spending time together with others who share a common interest. And isn't that something that we all love? Isn't that something that we are all searching for? You know you've been it. You know you've been there. You've done it. You, you have whatever it is in your life that you're like, this is what I'm a fanatic about. And you're at the store or you're driving down the road and you see someone else that's wearing a t-shirt or has a decal on their car that is the thing that you love. And you're like, oh my gosh, I got to talk to them. There's an instant connection or at least the, the instant desire for a connection. Uh, I, I love geeky, nerdy t-shirts. I wear them all the time. I'm actually super excited. I just ordered some and they'll be here in a week. And I was showing one of them to, to Chris last week on the phone. I was like, I ordered this shirt. Isn't it amazing? He's looking at it. He's like, what is that? And I was like, no, it's, it's this symbol from this book series. And, it's, and he's like, oh yeah, where, where do you see that in the book? I was like, well, it's, it's there. It was, I promise. And he was like, oh, he's read the books. He had no idea. And he's like, you, you really like things that people just don't get. And I was like, no, no, the people that get it are the ones that I want to come talk to me. And when they do, they're going to be like, oh man, I love your shirt and it's awesome. And you've got those things. Whether it's a sports team or it's a TV show or it's a movie series or a book series, you've got it. But sometimes it's not perfect. You know, you, you go, oh, I saw that you, you like this thing. And I'm like, well, I mean, I, I like the, the thing, but I don't like the thing the way you like it. You know, I, I, I like the sport. I love football, but I don't like your team. Your team's the worst. But you know what? You guys will still sit and talk for an hour about football, right? Because it doesn't matter because you're going to find common ground. And that's what it's about. It's about finding people that we are connected with. Things that we can be excited about because we want to be part of a group that shares common interest. Well, I've got good news for all of you. You are already part of a group that shares common interest. And I'm not talking about the, the church answer, the Bible answer. Oh, because we're all Christians, we love Jesus. No, that's true, and that's awesome, that's good. That is community. But I'm talking about something that's deeper than that. Something that even if you have never, ever thought about loving Jesus, never thought about following him, and you're listening to this because somebody tricked you into it, you still are part of a group that has a shared interest. Some people call that group family. Family, that's right. The first community that you ever belonged to. The one that you didn't have a choice in at the beginning, but as you've gotten older, you've been able to choose and shape your family. You know, as you found that certain someone, and you asked them to be a part of your family, and then you started having kids, or not. That's okay. You don't have to have kids to be a family. 
my wife and I, we chose to have kids. We wanted to grow our community. We grew it really big, some would say. Um, we've got four kids, and I think that's great. I, I think it's just the right number. Wouldn't trade a single one of them off for anything. Um, my older daughter said the other day that she only wants to have two kids, and I was like, well, what if we had only had two kids? Would you get rid of Pippin or Amelia? She's like, no, 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 no. Uh, you have four, but I'm going to only have two. And I thought it was adorable because she about cried. Um, but it's family. And we've all got family. We've got different family. We've got different groups of family. Some people live really close to their, their parents or their grandparents, and, and they have that extended family where people are able to come over and jump in and help out. Some people live with just a small family, and they're disconnected from everything else because the world is so much more mobile now than it used to be. And I think for some, this idea of family is where their community stops. They say, it's, it, it's got to be about my family. I, I've got to pour into my family. I've got to invest into my family because if I'm pouring into my kids, if I'm spending my time with my kids, if I'm investing in them, then everything's going to be good. If I invest in my kids and invest in my family, everything's going to be perfect. And you know what? It's, it's good. It works. It's fantastic in, until you need something. And, until you run into that wall where you're like, oh, wait. I need someone else to come and help with this. I need someone else to come and be a part of this. You know, you, you run into that, we want to go out and have a date. We need someone to come and watch the kids. All of a sudden, your need for community has grown because you need a sitter. Or I need to make sure that I have friends with kids that are my kids' ages so that I can set up play dates. And now your need for community has gotten bigger because you don't want your kids to be focused just on your family. You want them to be social and out. But no, it's okay for me to focus just on my family. Sometimes it's, I need another adult to just have a conversation with for a minute so that I don't have to talk about cartoons and video games anymore. And I know that's something my wife says all the time, is that I need another adult so I don't have to talk about those things because apparently I don't count because that's what I want to talk about is cartoons and video games all the time. And, and it's okay. You can have that. You need that just for your own sanity. But if we're going to be better together, we've got to build a bigger community. I think this is something that God has really understood from the very beginning. Uh, and there's a, there's a story in the book of Luke that I've always found extremely... I hesitate to say this, but I'm going to say it. I, I found it very funny, H hilarious even. Like this, this is one of those stories that when I think about it, especially as a dad, I'm like, how in the world did this even happen? So we're going to turn in the Bible to Luke chapter 2. If you don't have a, a Bible with you, there's some on a gray shelf over here by the Connection Hub. Those are Bibles that we give away free every week. If you need a Bible, grab one of those. It's yours to keep. We think everyone needs to have a good readable version of the Bible. Uh, if you have, uh, like paper is weird and I don't like the feel of it, there's an app on your phone you can get, the Bible app. It's fantastic. Um, do that. Or the words will also be up on the screen behind me. And, you know, normally I give you like a preamble of here's where we are in the story uh, as I go into Scripture. But today I'm just going to jump right in and start reading because it tells us what's happening very succinctly. So Luke chapter 2, starting at verse 41. 
Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the festival according to the custom. After the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. When he did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. All right, everybody take a second and let that sit in. Just take a second and let that sit in. Mary and Joseph lost Jesus for five days. They lost him for five days. They, they, a day walking out a day walking back, and then three days looking for him. They lost the Son of God for five days. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to be very transparent. I am not the most attentive father. I'm a little bit ADD, a little bit, uh, you know, I, I get distracted by anything. But I've never lost a kid for five days. Like, that's never happened. How do, how do you do that? What is going through your head that you lose the Son of God for five days? I don't even, like, I just, I, I can look at the story and I'm just like, I've got to laugh. I, there, how? But then I think the answer is actually in what we read right here. Go back to verse 44. Thinking that he was in their company, they traveled for a day. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. See, what it is, is you've got to understand the Jewish culture and the culture of the nation of Israel at that time. You, you see, what had happened was when Jesus and his family journeyed from Bethlehem to Jerusalem for Passover, it wasn't just mom and dad and, and his siblings. And, and yes, Jesus had siblings, and we can talk about that later if you need to, but it was their whole community. It was their whole extended family, maybe even their whole town got together, and they all made a pilgrimage to Jerusalem for the Passover. They would do that to, to make travel easier for everyone. They would work together. And the crazy thing was, because of the way that society was set up in that time, they wouldn't walk as family units, but they would walk as gender units and children. So the women would be in the very front and they would all walk together and they would lead the way because that's the way that it should be. Um, the, the ladies go, go first. That way if the bandits come, they see the ladies and they're like, oh good, we can just kill them. I don't know. That's the way they did it. I, I, didn't, I didn't make that up. That's just the way they walked. And then the kids would be in the middle and then the guys would follow up in the back because they were slow and chubby, I, I assume. Well, they, that's how they would walk every day on their pilgrimage. Ladies in the front, Kids in the middle, men in the back, and that was how they walked. And that was to be protective, and that was because if you weren't family related to a lady in the first century as a Jewish man, you weren't supposed to talk to any ladies, and the same thing going the other way. And so it made sense for them, you know, we want to be able to have conversations, so we're just going to stand up here by ourselves, and guys right there. I don't think it was really about uh, bandits as much as anything else, but they would all walk together. And so it makes sense that they leave Jerusalem and Mary goes up and gets with the ladies and she thinks, oh, Jesus is walking with the kids or he's back there walking with his dad. He's fine. Let's go. And, and Joseph's in the back going, oh, Jesus is probably up there with Mary or he's walking with the kids. That's fine. Let's go. And it wasn't until they got to the end of the day, they sat down to make their camp for the night and somebody said, hey, 
where's, where's Jesus? And they're asking the kids, and they're like, I don't know, I haven't seen him all day. I thought he was with you. And everybody's like, I thought he was with you. But even then, Mary and Joseph don't panic. They say, well, maybe he's at one of the neighbor's tents, or maybe he's with one of our cousin's tents. And so they go and they start asking people. It's only after then that they realize, we left Jesus. And you know, imagine that moment at Home Alone when the mom is, is there and she finally realizes, Kevin! And like, I feel like that moment finally happens right then. You know, and it's more than that because it isn't just some random 10-year-old. This is 12-year-old, son of God, miracle, virgin birth, able to do everything. And they're like, oh gosh, we are going to be in so much trouble. And so they, they hightail it back to Jerusalem, but then it's a big city, and it takes them three days to find Jesus. And where do they find him? They find him sitting in his chosen community, the teachers of the law. And it's this amazing story, and it happens because that was the way that they worked. They had that extended family. They had that broader community, and the reason that the Jewish people lived like that was because of a commandment from God. If you turn back to the Old Testament and to the book of Deuteronomy, uh, Moses has called all the people of Israel together and he's talking to all of them all at one time and he's recounting the Ten Commandments and, and the travel out of Egypt and all of the things that are going on. And then in Deuteronomy 6, Moses is continuing his address and he shares what ends up being one of, if not the most quoted passage of Scripture of all time. It's called the Shema. And it's Deuteronomy chapter 6, starting at verse 4. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all your strength. And this is the most quoted scripture, not yet, Kelsey. This is the most quoted scripture because it's commanded to be written everywhere. It's commanded to be taught everywhere. It is what they pray in their prayers every day, all the Jewish people. It's not the most quoted by Christians, although it should be because it's still amazing and still powerful, but it's quoted by all of the Jewish people that say their prayers five times a day, that do all their things, that, that they're following God, and they're saying, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord with your God, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. This is what it is, and a lot of times we just stop right there. But Moses keeps on talking. Look at verse 6. says, These commandments I give you today to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. He said, This is important. This is what it's about. And it's interesting that Moses is telling this to all of the people of Israel. Uh, there, there's a book that was written by uh, Reggie Joyner and Carrie Newwolf that is called Parenting Beyond Your Capacity. And in Parenting Beyond Your Capacity, they have a, a passage about this section of Scripture and about this thing that Moses is talking about. And this is what it says. It says, Moses is speaking here to all of Israel about the importance of families passing on their faith to the next generation. He was talking to every parent and everyone else. 
we assume that there's so much language about family uh, that he was talking primarily to parents. But Moses was speaking at this time to all of Israel. The culture of the Israelites was that of community. Not only were the parents listening, but there were others in the crowd as well. Aunts, uncles, grandparents, and a wider circle of adults. And friends, that's what we need to do to build a better community, to build a bigger community. We need to widen the circle. We need to widen the circle of our family because here's the truth. The more people that we have in our lives that are speaking truth to us and to our children, the more likely we're going to be to hear it. Let me say that again. The more people we have in our lives that are speaking truth into us and into our children, the more likely we are to hear it. We need other people in our lives. We, we can't be an island. We need other people in our lives. And when we look at the world and the way it is right now, that's scary to invite other people into our lives. Because we don't live in the same world that Jesus lived in. Maybe people have the same problems now that they did then, but we get to see it so much more today. Because we live in a world where there's constant conversation about mental abuse and physical abuse and drugs and sex and where does life begin and so many other questions that just are divisive and we're not sure that this is what we want to talk about. Should we wear a mask or shouldn't we? Should we get the vaccine or shouldn't we? And it's all this division and we're like, I, I don't know if I need to bring more people in to speak their truth to my kids and to my life. Because so many of the stories that we dig into and that are on the things are about people that, that should have known better. The stories of abuse come from people that, that should have had the kids' best interest at heart. The people that should have been protecting them. Our news is so flooded with stories of abuse by, by law enforcement officers or teachers or coaches or, or ministers. It makes us second guess everything because we want to protect our kids. Because we want to protect our, our families. We want to protect our community. One of the things that Ashley and I have done ever since our kids were little, since Cal could first understand words and respond to us, is we've asked them this question when we're trying to teach them a rule. And that is, what is mommy and daddy's number one job? And the answer to that question is, to keep me safe. What is mommy and daddy's number one job? To keep me safe. I'm telling you this rule. I want you to do this thing because my number one job is to keep you safe. And we want that. We want to protect. And while the thought of all these good influences coming in sounds so amazing, it also sometimes feels very unrealistic because of the potential threats that are out there. But here's the thing, friends. We still need to widen the circle. Because community can't always be about what you can do for me. Sometimes community comes down to being about what I can do for you. 
This reminds me of a story in, in the Bible, and it's one that I was taught growing up. It was one that I was taught in Sunday school, and it was always a, a fun story to me, and I'm, I'm sad that my, my brother-in-law, Philip, isn't here to, to hear this story, uh, and you'll understand why in a minute. If you know Philip, uh, I'd actually promised myself I wasn't going to make that joke, but whatever. Um, but we're going to be in Luke chapter 19, and you've probably heard of this guy. Uh, Luke chapter 19, verse 2, it says, There was a man by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was so short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him. Since Jesus was coming that way, when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and he said, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. And that's the story I was taught. That was where it ended when I was a kid. You know, there was a song. You know, Zacchaeus was a wee little man. And a wee little man was he. He climbed up in the sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. And as the Savior passed, that's a little bunny foo foo. As the Savior passed that way, he looked up in the tree and he said, Zacchaeus, you come down for I'm going to your house today. For I'm going to your house today. And that was it. That was the whole song. I looked it up. I Googled it. I made sure that it wasn't just my teachers that weren't teaching me everything. But that's the, that's the entire song. There's not another verse. There's no other information. It ends with Jesus getting to meet Zacchaeus and him have community. And I'm like, that's a great place to end. That's a a good spot. But, But look at what the next verse of Scripture says in Luke 19, 7. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he's gone to be the guest of a sinner that's what they said. They said, he's, going, he's, not, he's not doing good things. Zacchaeus did nothing to build the community of Jesus. In fact, he did the opposite. Zacchaeus started the rumor mill going. He said, oh, oh, if he's hanging out with Zacchaeus, this must be a bad dude. If he's hanging out with Zacchaeus, this can't be any good because Zacchaeus is a tax collector. Zacchaeus is a swindler. He's a cheat. He's a bad dude. But this isn't even where the story ends either because it goes on. Verse 8, Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here, I give half of all my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I'm going to pay them back four times the amount. And Jesus said to him, Today, salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Zacchaeus didn't add anything to the community of Jesus But boy, did Jesus add to the community of Zacchaeus. And we don't know what Jesus may have said or done while he was at Zacchaeus' house. We don't know what happened between verse 7 and verse 8. We're not shown that. But something happened. Something happened. And Jesus says, this is true because I came to seek and to save the lost. I came to build community with the people that need me. Not to add people to my community just because I need them. And I think this is a thing that we should strive to emulate. But how do we do that? How do we build that community? How, how do we start growing outside of our family and bringing that focus in? I've got a couple of ways. And I think to the rest of the day I want to share this. How we can be together better. See that? See what I did? I flipped it. But how do we do that? Here's the first thing. Add more chairs 
to your table. It's simple. Add more chairs to your table. I've said this before. In fact, I think I've preached more than one sermon about it here. It seems to come up. Apparently, I like eating, but it's true. Add more chairs to your table. Sit down and share a meal with someone because there is something magical. There's something important that happens when you do that. When, when you sit down and you share food and, and you share together and you're at your most vulnerable and, and you're in it together for just a moment, there's something about that that tears down walls and barriers in a way that I don't think much else does in this world. And I say add chairs to your table, and I'm talking about your dining room table and your kitchen table or your living room or wherever it is that you sit and eat when company's over. But it doesn't have to be that. You can add chairs to the table at a restaurant. That'll accomplish the same thing. But it's about getting together and sharing. Uh, last week, there were a, a group of us that were lingering around outside a church after things were done and we're just hanging out there and I don't know how the conversation started I don't know where it began I feel like it was probably one of the multitude of children running around that said hey can we go eat lunch with them I don't know how it started but I do know that it ended with five different families all going and sitting down at a Mexican restaurant together and having some nachos and tacos and those kind of things and and it was great because not only did we sit and eat lunch and linger at lunch and talk and chat and enjoy each other's company, but a bunch of us after that went and played disc golf together. And yes, I recognize I still owe some of you guys slushies. Don't worry, I got you. But we spent time together with no agenda, with no ulterior motive, just time in community, just time widening the circle. And I get it. I know your schedule is busy. I, I understand that your schedule is busy. I, I am sure that right now you are in a season of life where things are just crazy. It's true. It, it's true for all of us all the time. There's never going to be a perfect time to start building community. But we have to find ways to bring the focus of our family outward to bring the focus of our family towards other people, to bring them in. And that might start with speaking to your neighbors. Just talking over the fence, saying, hey, what's going on? How you doing? It might start with inviting someone from church to come and have a meal, not just on Sunday after church, but some other time during, during the week or grab a lunch together or grabbing just cookies together or ice cream together or whatever, just spending time together. Maybe for you, expanding that out is, is bigger and you're going to start fostering or adopting uh, into your family. Maybe you're going to go to a, a nursing home when they open those doors again or a senior sitter and, and adopt an old person to be your grandparent. You'd be like, hey, we're going to hang out. You're going to tell me stories. It's going to be awesome. Whatever you got to do, but you got to widen your circle. A good thing that we could do here uh, at Venture Church is next month, we're going to be having a ladies' retreat and a men's retreat. Sign up for those. Go and be a part of what we're doing there because you're going to get some concentrated 24 hours of time that's nothing about community, nothing of, except building community. Go and do that. So that's the first thing we got to do to widen our circle is add chairs to the table. The, the next thing is to engage the mission field that you're in. 
Engage your mission field. I don't know if you recognize this or understand this, but you are a missionary and you are on a mission. You are in a mission field right now. One of the things we say every week at Venture Church is to go and shine light into dark places. And that means taking the light and the love of Jesus to the people who need it. We live in a mission field. Maybe your mission field is the people that you talk to at work every day. Maybe your mission field is the cashier at that coffee place that you go to multiple times a week and you talk to the same person every time. Maybe it's the bagger at the grocery store or the Uber driver that's dropping off your food or insert person that you run into very often. We've got to start being more bold with what we're doing and more intentional with that. Now, I, I, I want to make sure you understand this. I'm not saying just run up to him and be like, Jesus loves you, and then run away. That's, that's not building community. It's fun. It's funny. It's true. But it's not building community. I'm saying start a conversation. It doesn't even have to be about Jesus at the beginning. Just how are you doing? How's your day? And then as you progress and as you get to know them more, maybe they'll see something in the way that you act or the way that you speak, or the way that you share, that'll make them say, what, what's different about this person? What is different about them? And then you get a chance to share something that you would like to have in common. And that is the love of Jesus. And those are two great ways to, to widen your circle Go and, and meet people and talk with them and learn about them and then add chairs to your table. Invite them in to share a meal. You know, I grew up in the, uh, the 80s and 90s uh, watching TV shows like, like Home Improvement and Friends and Family Matters and Boy Meets World. And I always wanted to have relationships like they had on those TV shows. You know, I always wanted to have the neighbor that was the wise old sage that would give you random bits of wisdom that you could then solve your problem just by a three-minute conversation. It was something that was, I mean, it's one, day, one day Mr. Feeney's going to live next door to me. It's going to be awesome. Or Wilson, if you, you know. But I, I never got that. I've never had that in my life. Uh, you know, I always wanted to have the best friends that knew they didn't have to knock. They could just walk across the hall or walk over from next door and they just bust in like a old Kramer on Seinfeld. Just be excited. Hey, I'm here. And it's always okay because they're always welcome. And I've got that a little bit. I've got friends that I don't feel like should have to knock when they come over. I've got some that I wish would, but it's... But I realized something as I've gotten older. That to have those kind of relationships is not impossible. It just takes effort. It just takes time. It takes energy. It takes deciding that that needs to be a priority. But I get it. There's only so many days in a week. And there's only so many hours in each of those days, but, but that doesn't mean that we should be unable to build community. That just means we need to be more intentional about it. That means that we need to make a plan 
for community. I, I love one of the things that happens here at Adventure Church that my family's been a part of for nearly a year now, my kids were telling me. It started back in November last year, and that is, they call it Adventure Mondays, where a couple of different of our homeschool families get together on Mondays, and they go for a walk somewhere. Uh, or lately, it's been so blazing hot that they've gone swimming somewhere, but it counts. They're still moving. But they go on an adventure together, and the community that is being built there, the relationships that are being built there are so much bigger and better than any other things that I'm seeing happening around me right now. Uh, I wish I could go on Adventure Mondays and, and walk with the ladies, or I guess I'd have to walk in the back. But, uh, I, but I could talk to them and, and just get to know everybody and see what's going on in their lives and be able to pour into them as they pour into me, just like they're doing with my wife, and that I hear the stories of what they're doing together. And it's amazing, and it's super simple and easy, but it takes planning, and it takes time. We've had to change our homeschool schedule to make Adventure Monday a priority, to put it there. And you've got to do that. You've got to make that effort. Make a decision that you're going to find somebody to pour into on a weekly basis, that you're going to invite their family over or invite yourself over to their house. Yeah, that works. Um, Every week, spend time together. Do something together on purpose because it is worth the effort. Because when you start widening that circle, when you start making your family focus a little bit bigger, when you start making your community a little bit bigger, a little bit more every day, and you make people part of your daily life, when you pour into them and allow them to pour into you the light and the love of Jesus, wow, amazing things start to happen. And I think the most important part of that is they stop being that neighbor or that friend, or that coworker, or that churchgoer, and they start being family. And families are better together. You guys pray with me.